I'm Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. And this is the Ashcast. This is Electric Sisterhood, podcast episode number 634. You flash forward, then you flash back. At least it's flashy. This is Electric Sisterhood, home of the original. The fucking original. Girl Gaming Tech Gadget and Anime Podcast. I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Welcome to a brand new episode of our weekly podcast, Panda. Hello there. How you doing? Good. I got a new attitude. Ooh. I tidied up my point of view. Ooh. Ooh. I had a new attitude. That's a throwback. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I remember that hair. Oh, Miss Patty had that hair. I thought that that hair would, could like cut people. It, it could. So it much did. Awkwardness. My cousin. I'm sure it did. I'm sure she cut somebody with that hair. I mean, I'm sure somebody popped off like they shouldn't have, and they just got a swap. And that person <laughs> is no longer with us. Rest in R.I.P. Oh, but it's a week. So first and foremost, I'm going to tell you guys right away, this is going to be completely an endgame spoiler-free episode. We're not going to talk about it. Because I haven't seen it yet. Because Pan when, hasn't as, seen it yet. As Although, we record this, I will not have seen it. But, but here's by the thing. next week's show, I will have seen it. But here's the thing. We have talked about stuff that you haven't seen before, and I've spoiled it. Yeah, and it doesn't bother it doesn't bother it me bother. one bit, but I know mm-hmm. it probably bothers people who listen to us. So. Exactly. And also, I don't want to spoil Endgame for anybody because I have seen it. And what I will say is if you're a Marvel fan, it's worth seeing. Done deal. Done you know? deal. So that I mean is I will that. this is this is what I'll say about it because I didn't see Captain Marvel mm. uh at release. Okay. Um, we saw it. We, me and my husband made sure that we had to see it, obviously, before Endgame, because obviously mm-hmm. she's going to be kind of focal, I imagine. So when we went and saw that, like, I know that the haterade was flowing, because everyone's like, oh, I don't know if I like Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. <laughs> my fragile masculinity. Uh, it's fragile. It's It's really sensitive. Kiss around it, but not on it, because it's sensitive. <laughs> kind of deal. Right? Ooh, yes. We went and saw it, and walking out of that movie, like, and I'm, this is probably a hot take. Someone's going to come for me, and that's okay, because we're we're all allowed to have our own opinions. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's, Everyone's got one. Everyone's got one. And, like, I walked out of Captain Marvel going, oh, like, I kind of felt bad. Like, if they had decided to introduce Captain Marvel earlier in the universe, I think she would have had far more gravitas and pull than she does now, I think, in terms of mm. narrative. Mm. I didn't feel like there was a really strong conflict in her in her movie, really. It, there was, but it's not a physical one. 
Right, right. So, like, well, like, uh, I get that there's, like, you mm. know, you know, we're fighting feminism, bef- you know, we're fighting in social justice before it was, like, really a prevalent thing. And, like, here I am breaking stereotypes and I'm a pilot. And, and, and all that stuff is rooted in reality because for a long time they wouldn't let women fly mm-hmm. in combat. So, like, Correct. that, like, and, I mean, I work, I work in an industry where I have, I'm learning more and more about that. So, mm-hmm. like, I got that aspect. But, like, mm-hmm. I think we've just had such a serious ramp up since Black Panther that everyone was kind of judging that Captain Marvel was going to bring it one step up. And I think we're already kind of at that crescendo. So, so for he- her, so for her movie, I felt like it was more of like a datamont, like a falling action towards the resolution. And then we got into, you know, Infinity War and now Endgame. So, so, like so here's the thing, right? Captain Marvel is a complex character to even try and do a movie with, right? Right. Like you're, you're familiar with the, the history. Yes. From DC being a man to yeah losing the okay all right so mm-hmm. and and then there's all of the marvels right there because right. there are several of them so yep. it's it's a complex history to do a movie of to begin with carol danvers is probably the cleanest spot to pick well yeah the marvel history they, up. they were hinting at um rambo who was also in canon turns into a is one of the isn't she the mm-hmm original isn't she no Mar- gets- marvel is right the original. but 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 the first human to absorb the blood wasn't that rambo wasn't that monica mm, i think monica monica did come i can't remember i think, I think monica so came close. before i Carol can't remember Rambers. if if monica rambo was before or a- i Carol think she was before I think she was before. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I think she was I think. before. But I know. But, so, but anyway, so so you've got three things that are happening, right, with the Carol Danvers story, and the biggest piece of the Car- Carol Danvers story is conflict, but it is a conflict within herself, very similar to the conflict of T'Challa. So, so Captain Marvel is more of a narrative superhero story and that the the conflict is really within the hero story as opposed to conflict with a big the, bad the right big bad. and okay. that that's one of the things that marvel really when you look through the cinematic universe has really been trending trending towards right like even with thor which thor's whole thing is supposed to be a battle within himself because he's always concerned with whether or not he's actually worthy of mjolnir right right like, that is an inner turmoil thing. and in Oh, the- daddy, my hammer, my hammer, wham, my hammer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, just after, well, they- a- after, Thor- after Thor Ragnarok, where, like, I love that the director for Thor Ragnarok needs to do more Marvel movies. Look, like, look, I really want. Taika Waititi is amazing, okay? But, like- but here's, here's the thing. So as a person who read Thor-, Thor comic books when they were a kid, right? Right. Ragnarok feels like the least Thor that I grew up reading. Right. It feels like Guardians of the Galaxy Thor. It is, and I think it is. It was a great... It, I think It is Guardians of the Galaxy Thor. Whereas I, the think, first- I think that Thor needed to have that happen so that he could kind of, you know, not assimilate, because that's not the right word, but it would be able to ease him into the dynamic that's going on in space with the Guardians, I think. And, and that's fine, and that's fine, but it is a stark contrast to the two Thor movies before, which were slow-paced and, frankly... Sepia-colored. You know, <laughs> yes. And Thor against the big bad with a touch of 
yeah, you can't touch my hammer because you have to be worried to touch. You have to be worthy to touch my hammer, but never touched into the. I'm not always sure that I'm worthy of the hammer. Like, you so, know, it'd be funny if like one morning he goes to wake up and he goes to like lift it up and it won't go, and he's like, <gasps> no. Well, that's the thing th- in the comic books that does happen. At one point, Thor becomes unworthy and he's not able to pick up the hammer, and it fucking devastates him. Oh, see what you know, I. I could see why they wouldn't put that in this cinematic universe because talk about how crippling to masculinity that would be if <laughs> no one else can touch my hammer and no, no, and then, I can't touch my hammer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, there are, there are those. No, no, but it's true. Like that, that's part of the thing. So I think that for so many people, like if you had not come up in all of the Marvel movies since they started, kickstarted this whole thing with, you know, Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. If you hadn't come through that journey of those movies, I don't think that you can appreciate where Captain Marvel starts, okay? Because it doesn't start with, I got powers and there's a big bad, or there's a big bad and so there's a need for me to be out in the world doing these things, you know, when you look at Iron Man, you know, the first movie, Tony's creating all this tech and all this stuff, and then, ha-ha, we got a big bad. You know, right. He's corrupted by I the mean, power, I, I and I gotta like use the thing. I felt like Captain Marvel's movie, like, I think walking out, I was like, I felt like we were, they totally put us in the middle of the of the story. So, like, it wasn't a mm-hmm. pure origin story, because she was already part of the of the. Well, it wasn't a linear it wasn't, origin no, story. It wasn't a, no, it was it her wasn't origin, an origin but we were, story. But it wasn't linear. Right, yeah. So it was a nonlinear origin story. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, and I I appreciated and f- saw value in it. Like, I absolutely mm-hmm. did. And, I mean, coming out of that, I think me and my husband, I'm just like, so... We, we realize, you know, like, she's an ener- energy source, right? And I'm like trying to piece it all together and this is all speculation mm-hmm. and hopefully at yep. this point you've seen infinity war so you clearly know that there's like space space dwarves who make shit mm-hmm. you know because peter dinklish was the, was the was cosmic, a giant giant, giant cosmic dwarf, dwarf. Mm-hmm. and uh and if you're paying attention in infinity war when they're walking through that place you actually see the mold in which the infinity gauntlet was made mm-hmm. and you see thor like trying to hold the thing open so like it could tap into the sun's energy and like it like nearly kills him but you know mm-hmm. he's like a god or like just an alien mm-hmm. whatever yeah he's you know. a god of thunder right mm-hmm. right 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 but like you know people are like well actually he's just an alien with like superpower and whatever but like I think coming out of Captain Marvel, I'm like, so she's literally, like, we could put her back on that planet and she could make another Infinity Gauntlet because, I mean, at the end of Infinity War, we clearly see that Thanos' gauntlet's all fucked up from that snap. I don't know how usable that thing is right now, and I'm sure he wasn't planning on using it more than once. Mm-hmm. So, like, now what? But whatever. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, like I said, I found value in the Captain Marvel movie. Yep. But I think everyone's expectation of, oh, we're waiting for it to blow our minds the way that yeah, it's been I, ramping up. I think we had we had too much of an expectation because we were already in that rising climax. Yeah, the I whole think narrative. I, I agree. I think that there are definitely a chunk of people that like were buying into the hype, you know, mm-hmm. because the way that that Captain Marvel was marketed really seemed to be focusing on how powerful Carol Danvers is. You know, it's true. People, I think, bought into the hype just because of the way that Captain Marvel was 
marketed. You know, everything on the marketing was kept focusing on how strong Carol Danvers is, right? Well, and I mean, so yeah, and she is right, she absolutely is right. And so you go into it going, okay, if you keep showing me and keep telling me, and the thing that you keep focusing on about this character is that they're strong you are getting set up to believe that, okay, you're going to show and demonstrate to me over and over and over again the strength, and it's going to be a a battle of strength with some kind of big bad. Like, that's an easy assumption for your brain to make. And instead, what you were presented with, and don't get me wrong, there are trials of strength for Carol in the Captain Marvel movie, but it's really more... I think it's more of her power and control, like her Mm -hmm. controlling this power and Mm -hmm. understanding what that means. And understanding ability to the power and understanding what it means for her as well. You know, it is it is very much a hero's journey to understanding their own limits and their own hurdles. Right. Right. And that's not necessarily like a big, sexy superhero movie in the way that many people have come to know Marvel movies. Right. You know, they're they're grand. There's lots of explosions. You know, it's a good Bruckheimer film. You know, there's explosions, but there's actually, like, some plot and some characters that I give a damn about. So, it's good, right? And when you move forward in the timeline, you start to move away from that, right? You know, there were all kinds of explosions and shit in the Iron Man movies. And then you get to Civil War. And even in Civil War, you know, you've got a big battle, but it's more dialogue between the characters. It's more exposition between them. And then the fight set pieces, you know, aren't every four minutes, right? And so as you get to the end of the line of the movies, like, and I think this is where people, you know, started to be like, oh, this isn't like my traditional movie. And, you know, I'm not enjoying it as much and those kinds of things is it transitioned from galactic bad guys every single minute trying to destroy the earth or other planets and people are getting involved oh loki has a tesseract he's come to take over the world oh no ronin's come he's come to take over the world oh no right like i want to know what the deal is about earth because it seems like everybody comes to earth yeah which are we we holding some shit i'm just like it's the deep space nine syndrome where i'm just like that much trouble can't find the same spot in the universe at that often like lightning the law just of constantly odds strikes say, Earth. The law of what odds the say that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> right. So, right. Especially when so many other planets have breathable atmospheres. So, like, come the fuck on, come on. But, but I do think you know when you look at even the last few, you know, when you go through Infinity War and Black Panther and Captain Marvel, right? Like when you look at those movies, there was there was action for sure, but it really was about the characters and their interactions with each other and their struggles amongst themselves and also some battling. So, you know, for Captain yeah. Marvel, I think for for one, anybody that, that does, you know, have a fragile picket, whether it's masculinity or femininity, you know, because there were some women who were just like, okay, this character is like so trumped up and doesn't really represent me and that's viable, just like right, no one's saying I th- it's I not. Think, I think it's I think it's really uh, selfish of us as an audience to automatically assume that all media, all art, is meant for everyone. 
I mean, art's going to have a art's going to have an effect on everyone differently, but you should not be expecting that the way I'll perceive something artistically is the same as how you will or the person next to me is going to experience it. Right. So I think so, I just want to okay. I just want to get us back on track because we are yeah, yeah, getting yeah. like way off track for like a long period of time. But anyway, Captain Marvel is a great entry into into Endgame. At some point, we will talk about Endgame because there's no way on ner- God's nerdy earth that we're not going to talk about it at some point. But it's going to be a couple of weeks because we want to give everybody who's listening to this podcast a chance to actually see it before we dive deep into it. But expect that there will be an entire episode, probably maybe even two, dedicated to Let's Endgame after we both have seen this so just be aware now bringing it back around last week i had promised to talk about some game stuff i yeah, know yeah, you yeah. have but some game y- stuff i know yeah. i started talking about tech Neat. and and then and, and like, then it turned into a tech episode which wasn't look, too bad because we haven't really we haven't about talked about gadgets in like oh like years so we were overdue so that's okay strongly i get it but okay. i'm stepping in front right it's my time to Take shine Yes, I'm shining, 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 it's, shining, it's, shining. It's all, it's all up in my face holes for y'all's today. Okay, there you so, go. So, so I'm gonna shut up. So I want to say, like, somewhere in like the 300s to 400s episodes, I was talking a lot about a game called Catherine that came out for the PS. I think it was for the PS3 initially back in like 2011. It's been like eight years. It's been a while. And I was highly obsessed with this puzzle game that dealt with infidelity and jealousy and women cursing men to die in their dreams kind of deal. I think I was around, I want to say 300, 400, possibly. That sounds about right. That sounds about the right areas. Around there. I remember Um, your obsession with Catherine. I was very tuned in. And all about that journey. Why are you so obsessed with she? So, believe it or not, I'm bringing that back to the table because we are getting oh. a... I'm going to I'm gonna use air quotes and I'm going to tilt my head a little bit like a cat, a curious cat. It's a remake enhanced port. What? So, wait, no, yeah, no, no. That's, wait, wait, wait. Remake enhanced enhanced port port yes okay. yes right. so we're getting we're getting one for two uh so for like PS4. resident evil 2 hd remake so kind of kind oh, of i'm so confused now. there was because with with resident evil 2 like definitely it was very much a port but they did revitalize the narrative a little bit because of the capabilities that we had to our disposal now okay. for this reimagining of RE2. So I think it's a very a fairly similar mindset that Atlas is taking with uh Catherine Fullbody, which is the name of the remake enhanced port. Okay. Um, however, you know, we're this isn't gonna be super easy. This isn't oh no, it's it's our boy Vi- you know, <laughs> Vincent again. And he's got to find a way to get out of sexy Catherine's claws while also, like, navigating his relationship with his girlfriend, Catherine. Because, you know, what makes a love triangle worse is another lady. So now the love triangle is a love square. So it's... Okay, wait. So we got got another lady. Okay, if they make... If the next remake port HDified up-res part two comes out where it's Catherine Body Plus 
Um, and it's a trapezoid. I'm really going to have to be out. Let me hear your body plus. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no. So when I first heard about full body, I was like, oh, so we're going to get an up res. Like, I thought it was going to be very little difference. However, with this incorporation of this new girl, which in the game, she's being called Rin. And at first I was like, why? Oh, Catherine. Rin, it's short for Catherine. Got it. Because I was like, they have to all be Catherine for this to like kind of for this to make sense. Like to add that dissonance, there has to be enough confusion amongst, you know, the the tension, the conflict, the ladies. So um believe it or not, we are not getting this enhanced remake port until September. I think we're probably getting it around September 3rd. It won't be, it won't, it's currently out there in Japan now for the Vita, but you know, USA and the Vita, we're not very close. So we won't be getting the Vita version over here, but we're going to get the PS4 version, which I was kind of about. And um, for those of you who never played Catherine or don't know anything about Catherine, you could easily go back to around the 300, 400 episodes and find where I'm talking about it or just. Hear me out. You play a dude named Vincent, and like you're like just one of the dudes. You're kind of, you know, lackadaisical. You kind of don't really care about stuff. Like you're haphazardly, to say to say the least. You have a very type A, confident, strong girlfriend named Catherine, who I never understood how Vincent got her in the first place. But, like, she's got her head on straight. She's got a job. Like, she's looking for the next, you know, chapter of her lives, you know, to start, which is, you know, getting married and, you know, starting a family. And Vincent isn't there yet. Story of the, you know, story of the lives of most humanity. Am I right? And he's never been unfaithful, but, like, he's not ready to commit on the level that his girlfriend wants him to. So he's very, like, he retreats a lot whenever they have these serious conversations. And one night he's with his boys in, you know, the stray sheep, which primarily has a lot of dudes in it <laughs> who are all kind of drinking their troubles away. And he has his brohood of guys that he's bouncing off, you know, his insecurities and his vulnerabilities about moving forward with Catherine. And one night after kind of a I'm going to say kind of like a spat with his girlfriend, Catherine. He stays later than the guys do. And another young, vivacious, overly sexual, blonde girl named Catherine shows up and starts aggressively hitting on Vincent, further complicating how he feels about where he is in his lot in life right now. And um, he ends up, and I'm going to use air quotes here, sleeping with her. It's never fully confirmed whether or not they do, because one, you don't actually see it, but she does, she is in his apartment, you know, in his t-shirt, conveniently, and, like, he's trying, he's trying to not engage with her, but, like, Uh she is very femme fatale, like, showing up at his work, showing up late at night, and, like, kind of like a sailor and a siren on the sea, He tries really hard in the beginning, but, like, she wears him down. And every night after this encounter with her, he enters into this dream state where he, you see him in his heart boxer shorts and goat horns, and he's ascending this tower that the, it's all made of these blocks. And so many um, lines of these blocks are dropping. And if you happen to be on one of those blocks when it drops, you, you die. 
but you know he doesn't realize the penalty for this yet because you know if you're a fairly good gamer which i mean <laughs> beep beep i am i wasn't failing at a lot of these but other people who are in this particular bar seem to be afflicted with this same dream and slowly but surely men who are in this club in this bar are dying and like mysteriously like in bed not from your your standard you know shotgun murdering like just dying in their sleep and they can't figure out what's happening and Vincent starts developing these relationships with these guys in these bars trying to help them because they're all conflicted men they are all being tormented and uh, there is this demon that is giving women, human women, this ability to curse and scorn men. And when they do, they get sent to this, you know, trial. And if they survive, they, they get to live. But I mean, you have to make it all the way to the top. And so far, no one's done that. And the people who fail have obviously been dying. And uh, I mean, when Vincent finally figures out that that's what's happening, he can't, he doesn't know which of the two girls, granted it's most likely his girlfriend, but he's playing dumb at it, has cursed him. And, you know, and he knows that it's because he needs to make a decision about where they are in their lives. And you find out that the blonde Catherine, spoiler, is a succubus and she was sent, she's sent to tease these men and cause this problem and cause women to scorn these men and send their souls to this trial. Ain't so that about a succubus? Yeah. It is. It she sucks. There are several different ways that the endings can the original endings happen because if you get like the purest good ending, Vincent, you know, ends up sucking up and you know, sucking it up and makes a decision and marries his girlfriend. You know, and then there are in some instances where they break up because he can't he just can't make that decision. And you actually find out that one of his guy friends has a strong thing for his girlfriend, but he's never, you know, broken the bro code or mm. however, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, I always thought it was really weird when I played this game because like I said, his girlfriend, I totally don't understand how they got together in the first place. I thought she was totally not the type of woman that this kind of man would be attracted to. And I mean, granted, I mean, I'm not the purveyor of all men. I don't understand mm -hmm. where their hearts and their, you know, other parts lead them. Mm -hmm. But like, it always felt like it was a little off to me. They just didn't gel, which is where that tension came from, from the beginning. And so, so do you think that it was that you just didn't, from the way that the characters were set up, feel like they would naturally have a chemistry that would draw them to each other or? Well, I feel like, the kind of guy Vincent is is clearly like that guy who went to college but didn't really know what he wanted to do and then has just kind of coasted through life. Okay. Whereas maybe when he met this his girlfriend, Catherine, she was also like, well, I'm not sure what I want to do yet, so, like, we can do this. But then she got to a point where she knew what she wanted to do in life and, like, like I said, she got her shit together. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they probably just... She's grown to a place where he's not at yet, so there's gotcha. that dissonance there. Gotcha, okay. And then when this other Catherine shows up, like, she's very carefree and, you know, not really, she's not trying to get tied down. She just wants to have a good time, and he escapes into that fantasy of not having to grow up. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's why okay. she's so appealing. I never, I never understood the original couple, and I'm like, I don't see them really working in the long run anyway. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was always hoping that eventually we would get another option or another person to come into the mix who may be better suited to Vincent mm -hmm. or maybe not necessarily be, like, right on his, say, level, but 
maybe also is a little unsure and they can navigate that space together because obviously his current girlfriend, Catherine, is too, is too advanced for him. And sometimes that happens and that's okay. Like relationships don't always work out and that's also okay. Right. You know, but this game didn't give you that. It gave you, you have to fix this or you don't fix it and you're an asshole. And I don't think that that is healthy. Mm-hmm. So I think with this new girl, Rin, who, like I said, we do have a new girl in this mix, but unlike the really aggressive Catherine, you have to, Vincent has to really try to pursue her. Like, she's not falling into his lap, and then he just has to say the right thing. Like, there's a lot of things the character has to do to even open up Rin's route to pursue her and then potentially date her. And obviously by choosing her, that now adds new endings to the original two Catherines, mm. which I'm I'm curious about. Because, I mean, they're not giving us too much identifiers or descriptions for Catherine. Like, she comes in and she becomes a pianist at the bar. So, like, she's going to be there every night. So there we go. You're going to constantly see her. You'll be able to engage in conversation with her. But, like, she's not trying to break you up from your girlfriend and she's also not trying to, like, stop you from interacting with slutty McSlutface either. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not trying to interlope in his life at all. So it's really an active choice of Vincent's to pursue her. And I actually think that we might see a really interesting dynamic with this because I don't know much about her. But I think she's going to be very much in that same boat of, I'm not ready for any of that yet, but I am ready for something Of my own design, kind of. And I think Vincent and this Rin character might be able to do that. So I'm I'm really kind of curious about that. I imagine now that we're going to get a few more puzzle levels. Because depending on which girl... I mean, we're obviously still going to have that tension with the original Catherine. But but I know there's going to be some new endings where maybe Vincent actually, like... Like, he breaks up with Catherine, his girlfriend... Because he's like, we are just two different people now. Or it's going to be like a shitty ending where it's like, I like somebody else. This is over. Like, I think we're going to get those type of things in this. But I'm actually really curious about it. Because I always thought that the puzzles were very challenging. I hope they bring some new mechanics to them. Because, I mean, while a lot of those were really great, I'd love to see them ramp it up a little bit. Because, I mean, I platinumed all of the levels because I'm a glutton for punishment. Humble (laughs) brag. Huh? Beep, beep. But yeah, like I said, it's not coming out until September 2019. If you want, you could go and replay the original Catherine on PS Now because it is available. But I ain't doing that noise. I could always just hook up my PS3 and pull out my disc if I really want to. But I'm not. But Don't just put your ready disc for... out on somebody. That's rude. I mean, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to revisit an old scar and an old flame. So, like, Catherine, here I come. Full-bodied, here I come, like a fine wine. I'm here. I just think that it's interesting that, you know, pre-E3, a game that will be coming out right at the beginning of holiday was announced. You know, and, and, you know, Atlas has always kind of marched to their own drum, and the games that they've come out with, you know, are, I think, some of probably more the eclectic games uh, currently in the market for console. You know, when you look at Uh Persona and... Even the uh, I'm blanking on the name now, but the um, the RPG that they do, um, Persona. No, the other one. Uh, That's more traditional 
based uh, JRPG. I can't remember it now, but they have they have two that they do. Persona's the big one that also is very, I think, eclectic when you think of, you know, how the game is set and how you transform through it. You know, and then Catherine, which, I, you know, when you talked about it originally, I thought, wow, like there, there is no other game on the market or game that I'm aware of, even from the indie space, that is like this game. Um, not just in its premise, but also in how it's executed, you know, in the dream puzzle sequences, right? You know, when, right. when you first showed me the game and we're going through the Qbert kind of level with the sheet. Yeah. I was like, this is just so meta on so many levels like am i well yeah because it's because it's because his subconscious is essentially playing in the background so like at one point his girlfriend is like i think i might be pregnant and like literally that night his trial has him being like stalked by a half-formed mutant devil baby (laughs) so like the subconscious at its worst and its best really I really like that they weren't afraid to go there because like they easily could have avoided that if they had wanted to and just been like, oh, it's like a bride or oh, yeah, it's like, you know, like they could have gotten really cheesy with it, but they went really realistic because we've all had those dreams. Well, not necessarily of like babies, like half formed babies, but like I think we've all had that I'm being pursued by this giant unknown scary thing or this thing that completely terrifies me. I know I've had several dreams like that mm-hmm. mostly with clowns yep yeah. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah and stuff like that so like it's it's definitely something that someone would be like oh okay i've i've had this feeling i've had this type of dream before i can relate and like tap into that to that emotional state in a dream you know and i mean i think we've all been like oh god if you die in your dream do you die in real life and we've had many horror movies that have played with that trope a little mm-hmm. bit and i mean i've con- i've all I've died in my dreams so many times, and I'm still here. I'm the 50 cent of dreams. I've been shot nine times. I'm still standing. <laughs> Get the strap. <laughs> oh, man. If that is not a line, I don't know what is. <laughs> I'm the 50 cent of dreams, motherfucker. <laughs> in the dream club. Bottles on pop. <laughs> oh, Lord. What have I created? I should created? stop rapping. Yeah. You didn't. Okay. Because you don't, you're not a rapper. Nope. Neither of never, us are rappers. Never. I'm not a rapper. Nope. I'm a lyricist. Oh, Lord. I got mad flows. No, you have for no these flows. these hoes. You have no flows for hoes. <laughs> for That's shows. Not That's not you. That's not you, bro. I pay my That's taxes. You. So, so let me ask you this question, right? Sure. Who do you think Full Body is for? Is it for the fans of the original Catherine? Is it... To be an introduction to people who maybe didn't play Catherine before, you know, because they're adding this additional character and these additional, you know, endings and probably additional puzzles and all those kinds of things. Because I'm all, I'm always interested when a game like this that, you know, had a very niche following to begin with mm-hmm. gets the investment to revisit it and to add on to it. You know, so, so so I I feel like I could I I feel like I have a strong enough answer for you on this. So I honestly think that the people who made the original Catherine, I think for them after they did it, realized their error 
And I'm using Error fairly lightly because I think the game did a lot of great things. Like, I enjoyed Catherine immensely. But like I said earlier, like, I always thought it was weird that this, you know, bland, milk toasty kind of guy had such a s- assertive girlfriend. Because in real life, women don't play that game. You ain't on my level these days. Like, she cuts out. She dips. Bye. I could do bad all by myself kind of deal. And like I said, I always felt like the endings where things worked out super smooth for Vincent didn't make a lot of sense. So I feel like this this full-bodied is what the the development team, the housing team, initially visioned for Catherine. And they just didn't know how to get there. So they did the initial version of Catherine because, I mean, it was a strong enough premise, but I think this is their way of saying, this is how we really wanted to do it. It's very much like Clue, the movie, Mm -hmm. where it's like, this is how this happened, but it could have happened like this. And Mm -hmm. then it'd be like, but this is how it really, so to me, this is the, this is how it really happened kind of scenario. So this is, this is for everyone. This is for people who were really about uh, the initial, this is a good way to introduce people to this this interesting game mechanic and this interesting premise who didn't jump on board the first time. But, like, I think it's full-bodied and well-rounded. Uh, <laughs> kind of. Okay. So I think I think this will appeal to a whole new audience as well as the already established niche, niche audience. Is it going to be just on PlayStation or is it going to be on all consoles? Um, I saw that there is a chance that we will surprisingly see this on Switch. Okay. Which, you know, I'm kind of curious about because, you know, this is a very adult-themed game. Right. You know, and I know Nintendo has been slowly eking into that adult realm a little bit more, Mm -hmm. putting the toes in a little bit. But, like, this is overtly, like, no. No, this is, like, straight, like, they're in there up to their knees. Yeah, like, they were like, we're not ready to swim yet, but we want to get more wet. Oh, that sounds really inappropriate, but (laughs) you know what I mean. Right. You know what I mean. Um, So, but we'll definitely see it for PlayStation, and I believe we'll also see it for the Switch. Um, And also, I think, computers, but I don't think we'll see it on Xbox out, out of the gate. Okay. I don't think we're going... Though I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it eventually cross-platform, since obviously they're already going to make the make the jump to the Switch. So, but I think primarily we're going to see it first in PlayStation first. Okay. But yeah, that's that's what I wanted to talk about last week before Ninja Mageddon happened. Look, Ninja Mageddon happens sometimes, and you just have it to, does. You just have to you know hunker down, weather the storm, and then it will pass. And then it will pass. <laughs> so that's that's me. Like pass. I said, you'll you'll find it in September 2019. You'll see it for PS4 and then potentially for the Switch. I mean, unless you live in Japan, then you got it on Valentine's Day this year on your Vitas. So lucky you alls. And that's it. That's yeah. really, that's all I it, got. You lucky few that still had Vitas. Um, I'm actually going to be talking about Devil May Cry 5 like I promised I was going to do last week so i'm gonna start with my good stuff okay okay and that is if you are a fan of the devil may cry franchise you will enjoy devil may cry 5 and by that i mean it is back to traditional b 
beat up the baddies. They drop a bunch of orbs, orbs of different kinds, whether it's health or currency. You have skill trees that you open up by paying for them using those currency orbs that you get. We have traditional devil trigger, which is kind of your OP mode where you deal lots of damage. We're back to big bosses and and large set pieces where you can use the environment to block attacks that are coming at you and back to the strategy of, hey, you can't just Leroy Jenkins this. You need to really learn an enemy's attacks and use the environments and the tools that you have effectively to take them out. And so in that way, it feels just like the original, you know, Devil May Cry games, one, two, and three. Okay. Okay. The way that the game is set up is that as you traverse the game at different points, you take uh, different characters. You play as a different lead. So you start out, and I think it's the first four or first five, I think it's first four missions that you do, you are playing as Nero. The game does not run linearly, and by that I mean the story is not linear. You hop back and forth when you're playing different characters, even to different times. So there's that one point where you're playing as Nero, and it's four days before the initial cinematic that came in that that kind of shows you, like, hey, everybody just got knocked the fuck out, and we might not actually make it through this one. The bad guy might actually win. And you're like, whoa, nani? <laughs> what? Exactly. And so the game has a bunch of characters in it. You know, they introduced a new shopkeeper, Nico, who runs the van, and it shows up at various points. And there are also in the game these phone booths you can go into and call her up to show up to buy new gear for your characters. So there are Nero, you know, we learn has a gun for an arm. Basically, right. the big bad in the game takes Nero's arm. By the way, I'm going to spoil this whole game because I'm going to talk through the whole thing. That's, so. that's okay. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just that. letting other people know as well, but I'm going to go through this whole game. Takes Nero's arm at the beginning, you know, his glowing demon arm that he's not really ever sure why he even has it. But he takes his arm, and so Nico makes for him a prosthetic. And the prosthetic is a gun of sorts. They're called gunbusters. And in Uh Devil May Cry 5, there are different gunbusters that you can have. You know, as you defeat different enemies, basically Nico's like, ooh, 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 get that piece. I can use it. And so there are all these cinematics after, you know, you defeat a big bad where Nero or the character of V, who is the new character that we're introduced to that has dark hair and a cane, super emo boy. Ooh, um, just my type. Uh-huh. All these body tattoos, all of them in black, and he summons, like, dark spirits to attack. They give these pieces over to V, and then she's able to create, for Nero, different gunbusters. They have different effects. Some are better at piercing through if you fire them off at enemies. And so there are some enemies that have shields, so it's best to use, like, that kind of gunbuster. But they're fragile. So as in when you use them, if you fire one off, let's say you fire the the one that uh, lights people on fire when it makes critical contact with them, right? Which is a very Mm -hmm. nice effect. If you take damage while the gunbuster is out being fired, you lose it. It breaks. 
And so if you don't have stacked up in your kit another gun buster, you're at the whim of the level having another one somewhere and then you just have to find it to equip it to use it or you just don't have one. And so you basically have a hand tied behind your back because you're only able to use his rose sword. Huh. So the way that it works is you can get and open up additional gunbuster slots so you can carry more. So you start off being able to carry, I think, two and then you can buy the ability to have more. Like when I finished the game, I think I had six slots total. And you then buy gunbusters to sit in that slot. And so you can arrange them in any way you want. You can also, if you buy just multiple gunbusters, you have different kits. So you can have, you know, stash one. I'm going to lead off with two of the normal, you know, shockwave inducing guns, gunbusters. Then I want to use the piercing one, then I want to use uh, two exploding ones. In my next set, I'm going to lead off with two of my exploding ones, one of these, one of that, you know, and you have like three magazines total that you can set up for Nero. So you can really kind of kit them out based off of Othe. I think I'm going to go in and I'm going to have, I'm going to have to deal with the big bad as Nero, so I want to go with like my heavy gunbuster set that do the most damage, right? And make me a little OP versus okay, I'm going to go in with my cheap gunbusters cuz I'm probably going to have to face like a bunch of ads and those kinds of things. So that's an interesting mechanic because you have the similar thing for uh your other characters as well. Like for Dante, when you play with him, you have different weapons. Um, you know, he gets kind of a frit back, which is the melee magma arms of punching. He has the sword attacks. He has ebony and ivory. As you tr- progress through the game at different points, depending upon the bundle that you bought, there's also an additional weapon that you can unlock when you beat this boss that basically turns into a motorcycle. So it's a blade that is a motorcycle that you can split what in half. Bl- yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, it's so, a so, motorcycle that's also your gun, but also a sword. So it's a motorcycle that's also two swords. So you beat this. What? Yeah. So there's this boss. You kind of got to play the game. It's really kind of. So there's this <laughs> boss that you can got fight it. that he, the boss, transforms into a motorcycle and like lunges at you with these attacks. Ultimately, okay. when you beat him, if you got the deluxe edition. You can actually take his parts back to Nico, and Nico will turn him into a blade. But he also is a motorcycle, a motorcycle. for Dante. And also and so, a toaster and a right. Vitamix. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> cures cancer. So once you have that blade, it's very interesting because it splits into you when, when he wants to use it as a blade, and you attack with each of them, and the wheels keep spinning, and so they do AOE damage. What? Because, yeah. So, okay. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of dope. So, like, there's an attack where, like, Dante r- mounts the bike and then, like, burns rubber on, on enemies and basically throttles them to death. Or you can then turn around after that attack, jump off, split the bike into two, and it becomes two swords basically with the wheel still intact and so like there you can do this pincer move where you basically pin an enemy in between your two blades and rev it up and it it throttles them to death that way so oh so i mean death for all right because again you know the core mechanic of devil may cry is that is death how how do you want to die today how stylish do you want to go out demons because demons are bad Right? Demons are bad. And the ways in which you defeat enemies earn you more 
currency because you rank up, right? So the goal is they have this whole ranking system and it's really trying to make the most stylish attacks. So your goal is to, without taking damage, string together the craziest attack loops, merging different skills and different weapons throughout your attack, clearing out the enemies. You know, if you can get up to the triple S rank, you earn shit tons of currency, which you can then use to open up other abilities and attacks. You know, you don't get double jump right off the bat. You have to buy that. You don't get, you know, the sidestep thing right off the bat. You have to buy that. So you have to earn through stylish killing currency to open up new things to let you be even more stylish and crazy and out there in your attacks. And that, you know, very much reminded me of original Devil May Cry, which I really enjoyed because they're simplified. It's not like in later games where you had, like, for characters, 25 or 30 different attacks. is about 20 for each. And, you know, many of them are just level 2s and level 3s of, like, the base attack where you could just affect a larger area or the attack just gets stronger. Virgil also has the same thing. He has three spirits that he summons. V's skill set is a little bit different than any other character in Devil May Cry in that... V himself is weak, and that's why he summons these spirits to attack for him. So you're constantly controlling the ranged attack, which is the bird, the close melee attack, which is his, like, puma, and then his devil trigger is a golem that initially he can't really control. It just kind of pops up, and for as long as you have devil meter, we'll just start attacking stuff around it, but you can't really guide it or point it at an enemy in a direction. So it's really just kind of... So it's kind of like a berserker golem. Yeah. It'll attack whatever. Yeah. Later on in the game, you learn that you can actually buy an attack that will allow you to somewhat control him. It will let V jump on its back, so almost kind of like Master Blaster. It jumps on its back and its shoulders, and then at that point... V can guide it in a direction and control, you know, when it swings its attacks. So it's very interesting in that all these characters play differently. Also, V really doesn't do a lot of damage, so you have to use the spirit animals to do the most damage, and they basically get to a point where they weaken an enemy enough that V can actually finish them. So his spirit attacks animals can't finish an enemy. So you're constantly with V unleashing these spirits to like get these enemies to glow. So they're like a DPS. They burn yes. they burn the enemies down, but exactly. the fini- is v the finisher. Ha- is the finisher and has to finish them. And so if he doesn't, then they get back up and they're not blinking anymore and you have to do all of that damage again before V can finish them. Okay. And so that's an interesting thing because it's a, you know, complete pendulum swing from the way that you play as Nero or the way that you play as Dante. Now, one of the things that I said in the previous podcast is I referred to Devil May Cry 5 when we talked about games lying to us. So one of the things that we were promised and we were even shown in trailers was that Lady was going to be in the game and Trish was in the game. And I was uh, the main reason that Capcom got my money on this was because I was like, I'll suck it up and play as Nero for a bit because I'm going to get to be Lady and I'm going to get to play Trish. They're not playable characters. What? But they're not playable. Not in the the main story. If you do the Murder Palace thing, I think that they're selectable there. Right, then you can, right. Right. But I'm not running... That's a cheap... Yeah, I was pissed. 
I was pissed. No, so you know what I'm pissed about is we didn't get we didn't get Lucia. Like everybody yeah. else came back. Yeah, but you did, but Lucia didn't come back, which I thought Lucia was actually a damn good character. I but, liked her a lot. But even in her diesel, well, I think especially for me in her diesel clothes. Yeah, I agree. But like, but, yeah, okay, she had like bird, bird. I like right, thing. but I I liked yeah. her weapon. Right. Like, I don't understand. Like, you brought everybody else back. Yep. And I mean, and, and you introduced very loose. new characters, Nico and V, and I'm going to come back to that. But you brought back Lady. You brought back Trish. And even in the way that, that Lady and Trish are brought back, so the way that they're introduced is you're fighting an enemy. And at the end of the fight, you crack open the enemy and realize that inside of them were these characters. Like, the first one that you. Wait, Free so we have like a little lady. red riding hood. Deal. Yeah, so basically the eaten. big bad, the big bad took them cuz they tried to fight to take him down. They lost the fight and he used them as the seed to create these big badder demons to take out oh. the other people that were around. So you free them cheap. Yep. Cheap. And and then they they don't even become playable in the story campaign. That's They're just really around funny. in a couple of cutscenes. Like, no. Like, oh, no, we're damsels in distress. No, Trish has never been a damsel in distress. Neither is Lady. Nope. This is completely a, a very, a, a bad variation in the narrative. I yeah. am not for this. I was not amused. Because, like, I kept I playing. Not. I was like, okay, so is this the level that I switch and I now play Trish? And I can see how Trish gets to the bad guy? Is that how that? No. Apparently no, not. No. Okay. I'm, I get to be Dante. Okay. That's better. Because as you know, Nero is not my favorite character. Uh, yeah. He's Tell a whiny us how bitch. you really feel about him. He's a whiny bitch. And, okay. you know, he calls Kyrie on the phone like three times in this game, which I was like, Kyrie, oh, Kyrie, oh, Kyrie. God. Right. Wah. Yeah, legit. <laughs> right. So, and I, and I didn't really. Probably until I got like deeper in the Gunbusters, I didn't really enjoy his gameplay, just because I felt like it's too much. You know, his heaviest attacks with his sword come after you rev up the sword. It takes too long to rev the sword when you have a bunch of ads in front of you. So it was more difficult until I got the stronger Gunbusters to create, you know, anything that was above an A rank stylish. Gotta get those S's. Yeah. S rank. I was consistently getting S ranks with Dante and with V, but not with Nero. And well, because he's not, he's never, he's not meant for greatness. Like that seems to be. But here's the thing. So here's where I'm gonna like ruin the fucking game because he kind of is. I mean, the game's already ruined. He's in it. (laughs) (laughs) I have trained you well in the dark side. (laughs) Anyway, what ruins the game, sis? So so when Capcom introduced the game, they introduced this new character of V. And, like, they they hinted that V had, like, a shady background, but, you know, nothing (laughs) is known much about him. And the first time I saw V and I saw what his name was, being V, I was like... Okay, did they do something and this is like young Virgil, just like, you know, in the in DMC we got like young Dante, but supposedly the timeline was different, but my brain was just like it's weird that he's called V but and just V and doesn't have a last name, but whatever, he's emo boy and he doesn't really look like Virgil at all. So like I'm just like I'm in my uh-huh. own like head and all my space, like just fucking off. Right? So just like keep moving, keep it moving, Rochelle. Especially because V uses spirit animals and as we know, 
Virgil had Yamato, where Dante had right. Rebellion, right? So I'm like, this right. dude's walking around with a cane. He doesn't even have a sword. Like, it's not the same guy. So we get uh, further. You can put swords inside of canes, bro. True that. This, true that. And I would love a cane sword. Anyway, so we get further into the game, and you and we start to learn that, that V is actually dying. And he wants to defeat your reason, which is the big bad. Right? Your reason is you. Yeah, look, Uber dude, 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 get out of my head, right? Okay, <laughs> so, so, sorry. You get further into the game and you see that what has happened was because we do a lot of things in like the Sparta family home, they harken back to that. So you see a portrait of Virgil and Dante sitting with their mom and their dad, Sparta. So you actually get a look at, like, Sparta in his human form. And he wasn't all He's that sexy? hot. No. Oh, boo! Yeah, right? And then there's a flash of, like, the house is on action. fire. There's a flash with the house is on fire and their mom, who Trish was modeled after, so it looks like Trish, because, again, okay. you know, from the first movie, that was Dante's whole reason for being pissed at Mundus is that he generated Trish to look like his mom. Right. So you, like, put Dante in a closet and be like, don't come out, stay safe here, I have to find your brother. And then you goes off and you hear her, like, screaming for Virgil. And then you hear part of the house collapse and, like, that's how their mom died. Okay, Virgil believed that all his life and part of the reason why he has beef with Dante is that his mom chose to protect Dante and not Virgil and left him to his own devices to, you know, survive or not on his own. And so that's why he always hated his mother and Dante. But that's not actually the case, but he won't actually hear the truth. So anyway, you fast forward into the game and we learn that on his last journey, Virgil realized while standing in the burnt down family home that the only way that he was going to get the power that he wanted to craft the world in the way that he wanted was that he needed to get rid of this bit of humanity that was inside of him that he got from his weak ass mom yeah so he takes the sword so he did a horcrux he literally horcruxed himself yep and so (laughs) he is all of the humanity that was inside of virgil but then how is he able to have a demon trigger and then virgil becomes your reason. Oh, wait, what? Yep, he becomes this big, bad, devoid of emotion. Well, fuck. And so in order to be complete, he has to get all of the pieces of himself back in order to be super-powered. And so that's why he takes Nero's arm. Oh! Yeah, because I always I always thought it was weird, right? Because whenever you would see some of the gameplay, you would see V summon the golem and his hair would turn right, which is typically the sign of, hey, you got some demon blood in you. And that's another reason why I thought initially that V was Virgil. It was because Dante's hair is always right, white. And I think white. it's because Dante is basically like always in a, a low state of devil, devil trigger. Okay. Right? And huh. and then Nero, white hair. And it always pissed right. me off in the game because he had that big arm and he's like, I don't know why I have it, why I have all these things. And he, but he has white hair and I'm like, bitch, you a devil. I used to think that he was Dante's kid. But I'm like, Dante would like 
at least check on his kid every once in a while, even if he wasn't going to be I mean, like, he, he, he wouldn't walk up and say, yo, let's get a burger. Like, he'd be, like, in the shadows, be like, all right, he's still standing. Yeah, cool, Back cool, cool, tight, tight, tight. Back to the shadows, right? No, as right. it turns out... I got out, shit to do. So, as it turns out, in the game, we learn that Nero is actually Virgil's son. Dante had figured oh. it out in the last... Uh. In, yeah. Uh. But Nero is Virgil's <laughs> son. And so, because, like, we're getting to the last battle, and Nero's like, no, let me go with you, Dante. Like, I can do this. And he's like, no, you kids, stay back. And he's like, I'm not dead weight. I can do this. And he's like, you shouldn't kill your father. And he's like, what, the nani? What? <laughs> Lol, what? Nani the fuck? Um, my, my mom said my dad went out for cigarettes and never came back. Right? <laughs> and then, like, there's this moment where they try to be emotional, and Dante's like, yeah, I figured it out last time. You know, I had my suspicions, but, like, after all of this and with your arm and everything, like... There's no like, doubt. Like, I wasn't sure, and I didn't think there was a good time to tell you. Right. Yeah, he's your dad. Right. And so, he's my like, brother. The world starts crumbling, and Dante's like, I'm going to go beat this bitch. And everybody else decides that they got to leave because the whole city's like, crumbling. <laughs> so they're running down, and, and it's Trish and Lady and Nero heading to Nico, and they finally get close to the truck, and they're running. And Nero's like, no. I got to go back and I got to do this. So he goes to get into the fight and he has his awakening where he's able to summon his full devil trigger because Dante and Virgil, now that Virgil has been completely reunited, which the Urizen fight was a pain in the ass, by the way. But you finally get to a point where the human side of Virgil rejoins and then he becomes his personable self in his blue jacket again with the Yamada. And so then... Dante and he start going off and fighting each other in their super Saiyan modes and <laughs> they're about to kill each other and then Nero pops up in his super Sparta mode and stops them in the middle of them and then Virgil's like hmm I figured my son was pretty powerful but if you don't want to die you should stay out of this and I'm like that's not how you greet your son you asshole I mean see but now I want to know Who's who's Nero's mommy? Okay, so then Nero and his dad fight. You whoop Virgil's ass. And Virgil's like, mm, you're pretty powerful. We'll have to continue this another time because right now I need to take care of. And then the thing starts to rumble again. And then Dante and Virgil realize, oh, we got to go to hell and stop like the entire apocalypse from happening. And Nero's like, like no, uh... you can't do that because if you do, then you won't come back. Like we got yeah, this. Don't worry about that's it. That's the point. We don't want to be around you, Nero. And he's like, no. And then they <laughs> knock him out, and they go. And he's like, no. And I'm like, at least he didn't go, Kyrie. So like, like, no, I'll take it. Dad, Dad, surrogate, no. Right. So <laughs> you get through the end credits, which you know very much like Bayonetta and Devil May Cries before Bayonetta. You fight through the end sequence, through the credit sequence running, and you're still earning, you know, rank for that. And then you get to the end of the game, and Virgil and Dante have stopped the apocalypse, but they're still down in hell just, you know, fighting. And they're on, like, fight 100, and they're like, okay, I'm still up one, though. And Virgil's like, I don't think that you know how to count right. And he's like, well, we got nothing but time. And so they start fighting again. We're brothers. So Dante and Virgil forever locked in hell in an unending battle. <laughs> we're happy and we're singing and we're demons. Na, 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 na. Right. Give me a high five. <laughs> right? So, like, I get to the end of the game and I'm just like, well, I enjoyed the gameplay. 
Okay. The set pieces were great. I think the characters were designed great. The variants of, you know, fighting styles and weapons that each character had, you know, were good. The it felt like playing Devil May Cry 1 and 2 again in the way that, you know, you traverse levels. I didn't like how it kept hopping around non-linearly. You know, so okay. you really had to watch the date and the time to see, okay, was this earlier than the last mission that I did? Was this after the last mission? Do I put this before or after now? Up, oh, this is before now. Right. This is happening after now. And so, like, Got they it. didn't do it a whole lot, but it was throughout the game. So there were times where I'm like, okay, so this is taking place before this fight that I just did. Okay, now both of these things took place before this fight that I did. So it was a little difficult for me to keep the whole story straight because of the nonlinear bouncing around. And because it was bouncing around through characters. And then you finally got to a couple of missions where you could pick where did you want to play through the mission as Nero or did you want to play through this mission, you know, from V's perspective. I liked that a lot. But I think it was just too much in the hopping between characters and hopping around the timeline mm-hmm. to make it really easy for me to get immersed. Like I never got immersed in the game. It was, okay, new level, smash them up, smash them up. I'm going to try to use this new skill. Okay, that was cool. Now I'm going to remember to use my D-pad because I'm playing Dante, so I get to switch between weapons, and so that will help me get my stylish up, and then remember not to hit this button because that will fly off my devil trigger accidentally, and that was sucked, right? You know, I liked that, you know, the core things that you unlocked for your character came over to your other character. So if I bought, you know, Vitality for one character... When I switched over to another character, they weren't any lower than the other character I just left. So you weren't having to constantly, like, rebuild from scratch the wheel. You did have to repurchase Devil Triggers, but because every character's Devil Trigger was different, that made sense to me. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than DMC. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than Devil May Cry 4. But I gotta knock it because the way that they portrayed it, it was like, I was going to be able to play as Trish and Lady, and I was really looking forward to those levels. And that didn't happen. And I was disappointed in that, because those are two of my more favorite characters in the lineup. If I think about all the characters in Devil May Cry, you know, Dante, Nero, as much as I hate to say it, (laughs) Virgil, (laughs) Trish, Lady, even Nico now, which I think is a great addition. I love her accent, and really was a very charismatically voice acted so you know bravo to really all of the voice actors across the game because they really did a good job everybody felt unique which was great but i just feel like there are these characters that i missed getting to experience that i was kind of promised that i would i was i was looking forward well now i'm kind of glad that they're not in there because i was expecting you to be like oh man it's so awesome to be trish it's so awesome to be lady and like i was ready to jump into that but now i don't have to waste my money no i i would say you know for you at the level that you enjoy devil may cry there's no reason for you to pick it up unless it pops up on free game with ps gold or so i won't or you know if you have games with gold or if it goes into games pass it's definitely worth a play there but i bought it I don't regret buying it. I enjoyed playing the game. You know, of all the games that I was concurrently playing, it's the one that I finished. I won't be playing Murder Palace. I'm kind of (laughs) good. You're good on the murder, thanks. Yeah, but I'm I'm disappointed that I didn't get to play Lady or 
to play Trish. And really, I'm mostly disappointed that I didn't get to play Trish. Because in other games I have, I got to play Trish in Devil May Cry 3. I got to play Lady. I got to fight those characters as well. I've played Nero. You get to play Virgil in, I think it's Devil May Cry 2. It might be 3. But I feel like I've gotten to play all these characters at some point in time in the game. And if this is your combination of the games that came before, everybody should have had a playable moment. Like, Nero had the most episodes, if you will, in the game. And I feel like at least two of those would have been fine if they had been a Trish and a Lady level that you played. Okay. And so that I, well. because I saw that opportunity and they didn't capitalize on the opportunity, I feel like a little let down by it. But overall, you know, as far as modern day brawler action games go, Devil May Cry is a good one. You have to think. It's not just button mash. You will not earn enough money, get high enough rankings, and be able to open up enough skills if you just approach it button mash. There is, you know, much more strategy that you have to put behind it. There There's is... a lot more nuance than that. Yeah, it is. I will say that probably Devil May Cry 5 is probably the most nuanced of the entire franchise. And I appreciate that a lot. It's a gorgeous looking game. Okay, I appreciate that a lot as well. You know, I just, I wish... It that just I ha- has that weird big toe. It has that weird middle big toe bigger than yeah, the big toe. It's the, the middle toe is just a little bit longer than the big toe. And I'm like, ooh. Ooh. You're ruining, <laughs> you're ruining my aesthetic. It's like, ooh, you don't don't wear slides or flip-flops. That's uh, weird. Just don't. Like, it's crazy. So, so again, you know, I think for the diehard fan, you absolutely want it in your collection. For the folks that are not diehard fans, wait for it to show up, you know, in some freemium-ish kind of way, whether that's a Games with Gold or a Games with PSN, whatever the hell they call they call that. PS Now. Yeah. Or Games now. Pass. Because I have a feeling that it'll probably come to Games Pass at some point on the Xbox side of the world. Uh, and if it does, it's and you have Game Pass, absolutely pick that shit up. It's totally worth that. I think if you want to be real dedicated and, you know, try to unlock all of the skills, because I did not unlock all the skills. I really just wanted to get through the story. And also, you know, I really was like, y'all are being real heavy-handed with this your reason thing. Because at one no legit because at one point like V is telling Dante you know like you really need to think about going into this fight you know with your reason because this is your reason to fight and I'm just like (laughs) wow sorry wow Capcom wow okay and then at that moment that's when I became assured that V was Virgil somehow because I'm like yeah. Virgil is Dante's reason to fight. All right. Because he just wants Virgil to actually understand that, no, one, he wasn't just abandoned. Two, their mother loved him. And three, they're still fucking brothers. So, you know, on that level, there's a lot of things to really enjoy and love about Devil May Cry 5. But Devil May Cry 5 is about family. Ohana means family. And family means no one is left behind, Virgil. Yeah, Virgil. Watch Lilo and Stitch. Get some really? hugs in. Seriously. Go to therapy. Like, everybody just needs to watch Lilo and Stitch. 
And with that, that's where I'm going to leave the episode this week. <laughs> so if you enjoyed the podcast episode this week, please make sure that you subscribe. You can do that by visiting our site, electricsisterhood.com. You can get the link to our site, as well as check out some of our other amazing articles, preview, review, alike, right there on the site, electricsisterhood.com. You can click the podcast link in the nav at the top and check out our entire archive of all of our podcast episodes, all 630 blah, blah, blah of them. You can get our podcast also on iTunes, either through the desktop or through the podcast application on your phone by checking out the Eshcast or Electric Sisterhood. Search for either and you'll find us. And you can hit the subscribe button, which will ensure that you will get our brand new episodes the moment we put them out on the web for your consumption. Mmm, poppin' hoppin' fresh. And if you enjoy our podcast and our site, then please make sure that you check out all the other great content creators that are part of our network. That includes our homie Hamsterman2049 with Smashed Rook, who live streams on Wednesday nights. Phenomenal stuff, new games and old. Visit SmashedRook.com to check out his site and get the links for his streams and find out what he's playing. You can join him in chat. And just to have a great old time, that also includes our homie King Baby Duck over at B3Crew.com, spinning music from across the globe, some stuff you may have heard of, but probably a whole bunch of stuff that you haven't, and teaching you a little bit of Japanese all at the same time on his podcast, No Borders, No Race, and his site, B3Crew.com, where you can check out some great manga reviews, anime reviews, movie reviews, music reviews, video game, just, if it's nerdy in any kind of way, trust me, King Baby Duck is checking it out so make sure that you bookmark his site and check out his show one of my favorite humans on the planet Phil the Issues Guy with Phil's Recap and Review probably the most enjoyable recap show I've ever watched on YouTube please make sure that you check out his site issuesprogram.com to check out his archive of shows visit his recap show on YouTube and also hit up his site to get the links for his live random stuff that he does on his Twitch channel as well you do not want to miss out and then last but certainly not least the nerds over at nerdcrave.com keeping you up to date with all the stuff nerds crave whether it's comic books movies anime manga video games or more if it's nerdy at all the nerds over at nerdcrave.com are talking about it rating it listing it and just generally nerding out about it so make sure that you check out all of our sites that you bookmark them all so you can keep in touch check out all of the new stuff that we're creating on weekly basis you can also hit us up and interact with us on our social which we absolutely love we love hearing from you guys so you can get us on our facebook page facebook.com slash land of esh all the content creators check out that page so if you want to ask us a question or you want to recommend something for us to check out review or you just want to get our opinions on you can reach out to us through our facebook page through messenger you can also comment and all the stuff that we're sharing on our Facebook page. The same thing can be said for Instagram. We are on Instagram, so please make sure that you check us out there. Follow us. We love to get the loves and the likes and the comments and the DMs. You can slide up in there. It's okay. We don't bite. But we are at ESH News on Instagram, putting out new content every week. Throw some things, some likes, so we can see what you like and what you don't. We can do more of the things that you like and less of the things that you don't because we're really accommodating here. We're built like that. (laughs) And we're not desperate. And then finally, (laughs) we're also at ESH News on the Twitter. Please make sure and follow us on Twitter. We share articles, not only our stuff that we're writing, but also the stuff that we're reading that we're interested in that we think is really cool. You can ask us questions, reach out, give us some retweets, give us some likes, give us some love. And with that, we're done for this week. 
I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Until next time, folks. Hashtag hook a sister up. <laughs> <laughs>